boom, boom, boom. And just like that, it's time for another edition of Serie Sit Down. Yeah, I've got a case of Piantechitis. I'm Frank Crivello. I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, it is World Football Index's uh, edition of Calcio, told like it is and always at the highest level. And uh, with me is co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. That's some introduction there. You catching a little Piantechitis here? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely have it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd start the, uh, I started, thought I'd do the intro just a little bit different, so change it up, because we do the uh, Giuseppe Verdi music, and, you know, that's how, that's how Parma walk out, um, you know, to their, uh, to their home matches. Uh, they have the exact same notes, but uh, interestingly enough, Richard, I didn't know that until Parma got promoted uh, and uh, started hearing that as they were walking out. Clearly, so. the Serie sit-down fans, obviously. Yeah, that's probably where it, you know that's probably what it was. Inspiration. So, yeah. So so who knows? Um but uh anyway, uh how are you? I'm doing pretty well actually. It was uh, an interesting weekend, a, a great slate really, a lot of uh, great performances. Uh yeah, it can't be too though the goals weren't that many, um the the great the performances like I said they were magic. Yeah, I think we're in for a plays of the week again, once again, instead of just goals of the week, which is fine because I'll tell you what, man, this was a mix of, yeah, there were some good goals here. There were some, uh, you know, impressive performances. It's a dogfight right now for these Champions League places. Um, you know, it seems like all of those, all of the teams that are in the hunt for those positions all held serve. Uh, but you had some outstanding goalkeeping performances here uh, on the weekend. And then uh, we also uh, had a massive upset, uh, you know, that took place on Sunday. So we're going to break that all down. Um, and then uh, also we will uh, top it off with getting you ready for the European fixtures this week. Uh, Roma opened their uh, Champions League knockout tie with Porto at the Olimpico. And then we have three teams in Europa League action, Lazio hosting Sevilla and then Inter traveling to Rapid Wien with uh, Napoli traveling to, traveling to FC Zurich. So uh, let's, uh, let's knock this out of the park and get it underway. Uh, the, uh, the match week here actually began on Thursday uh, with Lazio taking on Empoli. This is match week 23. Um, uh, obviously, we have been uh, pretty tough on Lazio here over the uh, uh, past few weeks and with good reason, uh, struggling to beat good teams. Um, actually not beating good teams at all, uh, you know, coming off a rather, you know, uninspiring win over Frozenone last week and then hosting Empoli Richard. Uh, they win this by a goal to nil. It was a uh, Felipe uh, Caicedo penalty in the 42nd minute. Um, you know, I saw a decent bit of this game, and uh, I want to start, you know what, let's pick on Empoli a little bit here because, you know, we're going to talk about Bologna a little bit later. Uh, this is not looking good for Empoli right now. Uh, I would even venture, I would venture to say Empoli just didn't put up a fight, and I think that that kind of helped Lazio in their cause. Yeah, and it's 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 been the trend with them over the last uh, month or so. They've been, uh, they've gone away from the goal. Oh, they've gone away from the goal. They just can't seem to put the the, the ball in the net these days. Um, Caputo is still getting getting some here, but Lagomina has dried up, and the rest of the team has dried up. Zayac and and so they're they're not really putting much of an effort. They're not playing the beautiful football that we've grown accustomed to this season. And you know, unfortunately for Lazio, Lazio said, "Hey, okay, if you're not going to come at us, we're going to take it to you and try to get a goal." And they 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 got one in there eventually. But um, yeah, Epoli are just lackluster all of a sudden. Yeah, it's uh, you know disappointing performance from them. I mean, Strakosha was hardly troubled in this game. 
uh, you take a look at um, uh, you take a look at Lazio and how they played. And that was one of the things that I wanted to praise here was Sergei Milinkovic Savic because I actually thought, you know, he came around and was uh, was playing well, had a good game, and then the poor guy gets has to uh, leave the match with a thigh strain injury. We don't know um, how long he's going to be out. Uh, uh, the Lazio medical staff are calling it a grade one lesion to the adductor in the left thigh. Um, a year ago, Lazio would be missing him terribly if he had to miss any time for an injury. This year, he feels replaceable, doesn't he? Yeah, he hasn't done much. It was it's not his performances are not like last year at all. And so you know you you have other guys who can do what he has been doing, which is not much. He's been okay here and there. I mean, his big presence has been in the air, obviously because of his height, but. Uh, other than that, his playmaking ability isn't as it was last year. I mean, Luis Alberto at least is stepping up, and now you got Caicedo getting in the goals. So um, there's going to be other guys who can fill in for now until he can step up and be, you know, take the reins and make the guys miss him when he's not there. But at the moment, uh, he's just another guy that they can bring in somebody else and plug in. Uh, a guy that uh, did, uh, you know, put in a, an appearance in the right wing back. Obviously, this was a Simone Anzaghi's three four. Uh, or ex- excuse me, it was a three-five-one-one. Uh, Romulo uh, made that appearance, and uh, you know, looks good in a top six team, doesn't he? Oh yeah, about to have. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's happy to be in a top six team as opposed to where he was before. So um, he's definitely going to take uh, take advantage of uh, the situation he's put in. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I thought this was just you know Lazio kind of coasted through this. Uh, it was kind of amusing when uh, Lazio was awarded the penalty. Provedel brought down Caicedo in the penalty area, no problem with it. But there was Caicedo, Caicedo got the ball, and uh, Joaquin Correa wanted to take the penalty. Was starting to grab the ball from Caicedo. Uh, Caicedo ended up taking the penalty after all. I could have, I could just tell you right now that if Correa took that penalty, he would have missed. Yeah, probably exactly. Anyone who grabs a ball from somebody else because they want to take the penalty almost never scores. It just feels yeah. that way, don't yeah. you think? Exactly. So <laughs> just let the guy take whoever grabs the ball. Let him take it, right? Unless the coach says otherwise, just let the person take it. Any anything else from this game? I mean, uh, yeah. Again, not, not much to write home about. Man, just woefully disappointing. Diego Farias is is trying to pick up the slack for for uh, for Empoli uh, with Lagumina out. Zayic didn't play in this game. Uh, you know. Manuel Pascual uh, had his hands full having to defend Romulo. He didn't get forward very much and, and couldn't you know, use his trademark left foot and, and create some problems crossing the ball in and maybe creating some service for Caputo. Uh, but um, much to worry about for this Empoli team like we talked about earlier. Lazio, I, I don't think that this really changes anything with what we think about them, do we? No, but it's much needed three points that they, they need. I mean, for the time being, to put them ahead of Milan and um, they're still in the race for the for the Champions League as much as we think they're not going to get it or get any European spots. They're they're getting points, and that's valuable points for them at this point. Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, the other Roman side got their opportunity to play on Friday. Uh, Roma traveling to the Bentegori to take on Kievo. Uh, Kievo obviously uh, consigned to 20th position, and uh, things are not looking good. They would not look good. Uh, they would not get any better. Uh, against the Roma side that uh, you know got embarrassed in the Coppa Italia by Fiorentina, turned around and drew Milan in a game that they could have and should have probably won. Uh, so you know they took that embarrassing performance, they've learned from it, and it's a team that looks like they're on the upswing. And I think they they um, compounded what they did in the match with Milan with turning in another impressive win. This was three nil uh, in a scoreline that probably uh, might be a little bit flattering. 
Uh, when you look at it, I mean, Roma, Loma, Roma laid waste to Kievo very early and took advantage in the ninth minute uh, after some good defending and some good pressing. Uh, and Zonzi, I believe it was Zonzi, who headed the ball through uh, into the path of El Sharawi, who worked his way around and finished. That made it 1-0. Um, Stefan El Sharawi really starting to find some form, Richard. Yeah, he's got like seven or eight goals now in the last fifteen games or something like that. It's yeah, he's he's getting it to form now. It's it's a it's a good sign for Roma because uh, now their whole team is starting to score different guys. But not it's not just Agnolo. It's Jacko is scoring again. Um, so uh, and Kolarov's even getting goals. So yeah, it's, it's a good sign for 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 them when when El Shadawi is getting there because when he gets them, he gets he's a streaky kind of player, and when he gets goals, he gets them in bunches. So. And you brought up Jacko, who was extremely influential in this game. I'll go so far to I'll I'll go so far to say, and it's not hard to say, and it's beyond the goal and the assist. He was the best player in this game. Um, he would double the lead uh, in the 18th minute. Um, it was uh, a ball that uh, was played in by Rick Carsdor, but the, the, but it was the individual work by Jacko on this goal to get around the defender and score from a tight angle. This is, I mean. <laughs> Aiden Jekyll has been a mystery this season, to say the least. He's had his struggles. It looks like he's starting to crawl out of this a little bit. Um, you know, just your, your comments of what you've seen from Jekyll here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it seems like his uh, he's sticking to it and 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 working for those the, the goals, and he's finally getting it. I mean, before he had the work ethic, it seemed like, but it just like the luck wasn't there, and he kept kept, kept plugging away, kept plugging away, and over the last couple of weeks or so. Um, He's finally getting those opportunities and and finishing them off, and now he's got that that smell for goal again, and now he's gonna be back to scoring like he was like he we, Roma fans had hoped he'd been doing all season. So um, good for him to finally get the goal off his back last week, and then and now he's just uh, he just smells goals, and you saw by that move going around the defender, and then being able to put it you know far corners. So um, that's a sign of a striker who got a confidence back. I agree. Um, I mean, you know, I. They haven't gotten what they hoped to get out of Patrick Sheik up to this point. He just hasn't lived up to, you know, it, it, this is this might be the classic case of a guy who spurted, uh, at, you know, for a season at Sampdoria and now makes the big move and just can't, you know, duplicate what he did there. Um, and it's kind of putting salt on the wood. Sheik left this game with an injury in the second half. But, you know, they got to continue to rely on Aiden Dzeko, um, you know, to, uh, to hold the play up, to help get people involved, uh, to try to... Uh, you know, to try to generate some things. Um, you know, and speaking of his hold-up play, it was beautiful on a on a Roma counterattack for the third goal. He turns provider, plays in Alexander Kolarov with the finish, a play of the week candidate, Richard. Um, you know, they're they're thirty something. The thirty somethings in the Roma team really got it done in this game. Oh yeah, certainly, and especially the passing between Jeko and Kolarov, and Kolarov with the finish. Uh, it was a lovely team goal there, and. Um, especially with those two players and those two really stepping up when the, the Roman club needs them the most. And um, Kolarov has been very influential this season. And, and when you have Jekko and Kolarov, you know, leading the team, getting goals, um, it's a very good sign, not only for Roma, but also that the locker room is not lost and that Di Francesco, um, he he really has these guys fighting for him. So, Absolutely. And, you know, Goalkeeping is going to be a theme in this week's Serie A sit-down, Richard. Um, yeah. And I think as it pertains to Roma, uh, Antonio Mirante comes in and, and gets the start for the Giallo Rossi, uh, gets a clean sheet, gets uh, five saves in this game, because Chievo had their chances. They had 16 shots on this in this game. They had five on target, so they were 
you, you know, I mean, for as good as Roma was going forward, there's still the same old Roma in, in allowing chances and allowing shots and, uh, you know, could end up being part of some really high-scoring games. I don't think a whole lot of that is solved. And when you have the combination of Federico Fazio and Ivan Marcano starting at center back, uh, Kievo was going to have some chances in this game. Filip Djordovic on the other side was really good in this game and uh, came close to scoring on a couple of occasions, but Mirante kept him out. Um, is there... Does this start a goalkeeping controversy? Robin Olsen was the player that made the big move. Antonio Morante was kind of the uh, small-time investment, the the backup security blanket. But does a performance like this from Mirante? Do you think? Do you think there's cause for some controversy here? Do you think that there's a story here with the uh, the Roma goalkeeping? If uh, this guy walks in, gets a clean sheet, albeit it was Chievo, uh, but this is a Roma team that defensively has had a hard time keeping teams out. If you ask any Roma fan, they'll tell you there is no controversy. It should be Marante, right? Um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, yeah, it, it should be a controversy because Olsen has been playing piss poor this season, and and you know Marante comes in and gets a shutout. I say give him another shot, get another opportunity. You got a big game against Porto coming up, so they need to get that squared away because if it's, it's a bad time to have a controversy coming to a Champions League. But you know, if he goes and starts the next game and gets another shutout, give him a chance against Porto. See what happens. I mean. We've seen what Olsen has done or not done this year with lots of fumbles and weak goals, so why not give somebody else a try? And for Kievo, I mean, right now it's it's just damage control. They're going down, and it's, you know, what might they be able to get? Um, before I get to that, the, 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 pres- the, the Kievo president, I can't remember his name. Can't, I, I keep asking this, and I've asked this a bunch of times on the set. Can't he get better seats than the ones he sits in? <laughs> you see he's trapped behind those uh, those rails? If you had that product, you don't want to see that kind of... You you're the, know, you're the president it. of a Serie A club. No matter how embarrassing you are, you should have better seats than that, shouldn't you? I mean, it's like... the Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I guess he can't afford it. Maybe he's, maybe he gave away all his good tickets, so he had to, that's all those left. <laughs> that's probably what it is. He's, he's probably appeasing some season ticket holders to say, hey, you have my... I mean, his real seats are being held by season ticket holders. That's the only... Yeah, the ultras. That's the only theory. He wants to keep them coming back for, for something, right? Yeah, it's 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 one of the craziest things I've seen with owners not, you know, not sitting where you really should. It's in, you know, a terrible seat as opposed to the seat that, you know, you normally would get it with an owner. I'm not afraid to say this. Uh, he has the worst seats of all the club presidents at in the in Serie A. Maybe in all of Maybe the, ever. Maybe of all of European football. Um if if you guys know of a a club president who has worse seats and I can't I I, I don't have the the president's name in front of me. Um uh, the K- Kievo president. If you have a, another club where the seats are worse, uh, tell us. Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. I'm really curious because I don't think anything gets worse than what the where the Kievo president sits game to game. Um, but uh, aside from that, um, Filip Djordovic, Mario Stempinski, these guys are playing to possibly get contracts and stay in Serie A with other clubs at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're basically playing for their for the rest of their career and going somewhere else because uh, surely they'll move once they uh, get relegated. So uh, Stepinski is a quality quality forward. Jacarina still has it in him. We know this. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of um, look making yourself look good for, for, the, for the summer transfer, basically. How about Mattia Bani? Because um, I think he's okay. I, I mean, he, it, it's an, I mean, the indictment on him is that he's on a bad team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about him. The jury's still out with me with him because I've seen some performances by him that have really been 
piss poor sure. to be honest. But um, yeah, no, he still has some he still has some quality in him, and, and maybe it is a, a, a matter of being on a bad team. We saw with Bruno Alves how bad he was with Cagliari. He goes to Parma and he's become like the best player there. Well, one of the best defenders there. So um, so much so that Juventus were like sniffing around for him. So maybe it is a change of scenery. That's all that's needed with him. And if Bonnie goes somewhere else, that's a decent squad. He can be a, a pretty good Serie A defender. I, I, you know, I mean, he, I'm not. I'm not saying that Mancini should call him up or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like a like a Bologna or a or a, or a Genoa or one of these, you know, middling clubs where yeah, he might be yeah. able to, you know, uh, provide some numbers in terms of that position. So, um, you know, I'm not not by any stretch suggesting that he's, uh, you know, he's the next big thing for Italian defenders and Juventus <laughs> should sign him. But uh, um, but you know, he's he's. Yeah, he's had some clunkers, but he's had some decent games too. So you 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 think that he could probably find work with another Serie A team next season. So, I mean, for for me, those are the three. And I, I, somebody might just buy Giacomini for cheap because they're desperate for some playmaking help. Um, you know, but after that, I don't know if there's a whole lot in this Kievo squad that I would have a whole lot of interest in. So, um, but. You know, it, it it is what it is. It was just kind of one of those things to ponder, and I'm trying to give Kiev at least a little bit of time before they before we ship them down to Serie B at the end of this season. So, uh, Kiev nil Roma three. Uh, there were two games on Saturday. We'll start with Fiorentina and Napoli, and this one was all about the goalkeepers and a nil nil draw in particular. Alban Lafont, who only made four saves, but it felt like he made twelve. Richard, oh my goodness, the saves he made were ridiculous. Point blank on Dries Mertens, um, and I'm trying to think of the other one that he made. Uh, I think it was in the uh, the beginning of the first half or he closer to two. The- he, had, he had two on Dries Mertens. One was like I think it was in the first half, and the other one was in the second. Um, and then oh, Milik, I think he made one, and then oh, I can't remember the other one. I think it was Milik, yeah. Maybe Zelensky was the fourth. I'm not, I'm not positive, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastic saves, nonetheless. Yeah. Um. So. No, I mean, uh, other performances in this game, I mean, you, you look at it, I mean, Napoli controlled the game, they controlled the possession, but this was what we were talking about last week. We we feel like Fiorentina is a better fit going the other way and going in the counterattack, and uh, they only had 40% of the possession in this game, but they still got, they, they still got 15 shots. Um, so it shows you the danger that they have going the other way with the likes of Chiesa and, and Muriel, and it looked like uh, Gerson... Uh, starting to more advanced position. Um, I should point out, uh, you know, while Lafont was outstanding, uh, Merritt was no slouch himself. Great point-blank save on uh, Veratou in the first half. Yeah, yeah, Veratou had a, a great opportunity to give Fiorentina the lead, and, and Merritt stepped up like, you know, he he's his prodigy that people keep talking about, and uh, he's really, now he's got an advantage. He's on a really good team, and he can really show his talent to everyone, um, and now they're going to take notice of him because, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic save by him. So um, great by the youngster. Uh, Mario Rui left er- relatively early uh, with an injury in this game. Uh, had to be uh, had to be brought off. I think he lasted all of six minutes. Fauzi Gulam had to come on and put in a near shift, and I don't think they were ready to give Gulam that much playing time. Um, so, uh, you know, when Gulam came on, how would you uh, how would you rate his performance? Looked pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of what we were accustomed to seeing with Gulam. Uh, when he comes in, he's just going to be the tried, true professional. Get you know, do the job done. And um, you know, had he been uh, ready from the beginning of the game, like knew that he was going to play, he probably would have had an even better performance. But it was pretty solid for someone who didn't know they're going to be playing six minutes into the game and then being forced to jump on. So um, Gulam is certainly their their number one choice as far as. Uh, left backs go, but you know, um, 
he isn't quite ready there yet to start the games, and so he took advantage of. And I think you know, um, if this if this injury with Mario Rui is anything serious, Napoli are not going to be in any stretch uh, a worse team. They're probably a little bit better um, going forward. So, sure, sure. Um, looking at the uh, you know, kind of looking at the performances of Napoli. I mean, considering all of the chances that they had in this game, I mean, it was. It was just like last week when they beat Sampdoria. It was a balanced effort. Nobody really, for me, you know, I couldn't look at one one individual player and say, yeah, that guy, that guy bossed the game. Um, Allen was terrific in his role. Uh, you know, I thought uh, uh, obviously the goalkeeping from Merritt, but uh, it looks like things are shared here with this attack. Uh, you know, Merritt's you know getting a couple of chances, Insigne creating some things, Milik getting some chances. Um, you know, Callihan obviously last week. Uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago, when when Napoli were really playing some attractive stuff under Maurizio Sarri, you know, you you know where the goals were coming from. Dries Mertens, so near, what twenty nine goals I think that season. Yeah. Um, you know, or thereabouts. Is Napoli better if you know everybody's providing service and one guy's knocking home all the goals, or do you prefer to see Napoli kind of? you know, sharing the wealth a little bit. Which in, in which way are they more effective? I think sharing the wealth because if you just have one person that scores goals, if he either dries up or gets, you know, a, a, a good defender takes him out of the game, um, then what do you got, right? You don't know where are the goals going to come from. So if, you gotta, if you're sharing the wealth, if you're, you know, if you block off Insigne, well, it's going to come from Mertens or Milik or Callejon or whomever. Um, and that it makes your team that much more dangerous, makes you harder to defend because it's not just one guy you got to worry about. You got to worry about the... Um, Pretty much all eleven, right? Even on set pieces, Koulibaly and 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 Albiol, you got to worry about. So, um, yeah, I think it's better to be uh, share the ball like they do, and I think that's the way Napoli plays right now. And we see that with because each week it's a it's a different player that seems to step up with with a lot of opportunities. And like you said, this game you couldn't really pick one person. I mean, Callejon to Milik seems to be that combination. Like last week they scored, they almost did it again this week. Um, that's that's a, a play we've started to see now. It's a set set play, but other than that, I mean, they're sharing the wealth like crazy. Yeah, I guess that's I guess, I guess that's a good way to to look at it. I mean, Napoli right now. It's it, I mean, we said it was over last week. You know, I mean, obviously with some of the we'll talk about Juve a little bit later because they won. Uh, so the the gap is back to eleven points. Um, does this reinforce Napoli's need to? I mean, does this reinforce that the priority now for Napoli they should just say, "Hey, let's uh, let's win the Europa League." Oh, absolutely! That should be their number one goal. Um, they have a great opportunity now, right? Uh, Europa League. There's some there's some big teams there in Europa League, but Napoli are just as good. Not, in my opinion, Napoli are the favorites in that. If you just look at the talent alone on the squad that they have, so they should certainly go for it. I mean. They're out of they're out of Coppa Italia. They're out of basically they're out of the the Scudetto race. So if you want to get a title this year, Europa League's the way to go, and that's not a bad way to do it. You know, um, is you already got pretty much second place locked up. Um, go ahead, win a trophy. I'm, I'm sure Ancelotti's going to want to go for it. Um, this is absolutely it's a great time to practice for Champions League in the future, right? Like we said before, uh, use Europa League as a European experience. And 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 make sure you do really well in those games and and take it seriously. And I think they will. We'll talk Europa League a little bit later here on the podcast. Um, but handicap them as far as where they're at. I mean, we we probably think among the favorites. Um, you know, all of a sudden, I don't. You know, when you look at, when you go over and look at the Premier League, Arsenal and Chelsea are having their issues. 
Um, Especially Chelsea. Yeah, I'm. Oh gosh. Um, uh, do, 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 do we do we just, do we back off from the English teams and we say if Napoli really care about this, they're they're joint favorites with Sevilla. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you always got to worry about a team like Sevilla who have done it so many times winning the title, right? And then, so they got to be obviously one of the favorites. And then as well, you got to say Napoli. I mean, they, they got to be the top two teams there right now. And like you said, Arsenal and Chelsea, they're struggling. Um, who knows how serious English teams tend not to take those tournaments serious. Sure, Mourinho did when he was at Manchester United. Um, but other than that, it really, it, it's not too many times that English teams really take those tournaments serious. It's more the Spanish teams do and, and some of the other clubs. So, um, for sure, for me, in my, in my, if I had to bet, I would say Sevilla and Napoli would be the ones who take this most serious. No, I definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. Um, Fiorentina, this time we can't get too upset with them about getting a point here. Um, it's, I mean, it's at home against Napoli. And, uh, you know, but uh, the way the the way the game set up for itself, I mean, it worked out perfectly for the way Fiorentina should play: counterattack, let let Napoli have the ball a little bit. We can hit him on the break. We can kind of we can catch him that way. Um, they had some chances as well. We talked about the Veratu chance. Um, but if if we see if we see Fiorentina like this going forward, they're definitely a threat for the top six and maybe even you know I, I don't know if top four is going to get there for them. They're seven points back now. Um, but they could uh, they could make things very very interesting for the guys that are sitting fifth, sixth, and even seventh. Yeah, there's certainly a good squad. There's talent all through that lineup, and I mean, we just look at this game alone. Lafont, what he the performance he did with the big saves, and then they got a, a decent defense, and they got a really good midfield, and their attack is young, but they they know how to score. And now with Luis Marial as the X factor. Um, they're certainly going to be a dangerous team for any team going forward, and I think you know they're they're certainly going to be in that Europa League race. And if they can really string some wins together, who knows? Um, you know they may be able to sneak into the Champions League with other teams battling out, trying to cancel each other out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know about the Champions League uh, for Fiorentina. I think that might be a bridge too far. But hey, let Chloe dream, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, speaking of Florence, uh, we're binge watching the uh, the second season of uh, uh, the Medici. It's uh, Medici the Magnificent now. Oh, so okay. it was Masters of Florence the first season, and then I guess the, Ma- the Magnificent. They fast forward in time a couple of generations, and it's the grandson of the main character uh, now running things in Florence and running things for the Medici family. And uh, I haven't really looked at it the historical comparisons to what they show on TV. I'm guessing it's inac- much as inaccurate as the first season, but still good TV viewing. Um, and if you're a fan of the city of Florence, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's rather compelling. It's uh, a chunk of the game of Thrones guys. Uh, when they're not doing, when they're not doing game of Thrones, they're doing stuff like this. Cause the, uh, the guy who plays Ned Stark is in this series. So, uh, uh, never heard of the yeah. show, but interesting. Yeah. Give it a watch. Get, uh, go through the first season and, and, and watch Dustin Hoffman's character who, which Dustin Hoffman's character actually is killed in the first episode. So all of, you know, his role throughout the first season are all flashbacks. So, and by the way, um, we'd like to thank Netflix for sponsoring this episode, (laughs) (laughs) which reminds me, I don't think I've watched a single minute of first team Juventus in quite a long time. I don't know if I'm missing anything. I'm probably not, but, um, but be that as it may, uh, have you been watch- Have you watched any of that first team Juventus? I don't know if they've done. That. I know they did some like when they had the Champions League against Tottenham last year, and 
Um, but I don't know how many I've done since then. Yeah, I just redo it, rewatching the first season again, and uh, just trying to get through that one more time before I move on with that. Yeah, you like to live in the past. You're, you know, Milanese, Milanese. Of course, you know it. <laughs> so. It's a, if you want to know how many Milanisti it takes to uh, change a light bulb, too. One will change it with no problem. The other one's going to talk about how great the teams were of the last, uh, <laughs> you know, the Berlusconi era before the banter era. It'll take so. seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so while you said, okay, light bulb's in here, can I go home? <laughs> you know, you got to listen. Exactly. Uh, listen to living in the past. So, all right, let's go to the other game that took place on Saturday, Parma and Inter. Um and and for those of you, who know, this is not going to be a very long podcast today. It was a a a slate where the stars, with the stud teams, played the scrubs. Fiorentina Napoli was probably the uh, the highlight of the of the slate. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a good call right there. Um, so so this one's going to go pretty fast. So our format is just a little bit different than what it normally is. Uh, Parma, uh, you know, at home against an Inter team, and and talk about the fortunes of these two teams, Parma. Uh, you know, mid-table, but uh, coming back from 3-1 down at the J to draw 3-3, and you think that maybe this is just the thing that kickstarts uh, things for them to be a threat, you know, to work their way into the top half and maybe even more because the pieces might actually be there against an Inter team that's just woefully short of form. Uh, entering 2019, needed something. You know what, though? Inter dominated this game, Richard, uh, and, you know, it took a Lautaro Martinez goal in the 79th minute, him coming on as a substitute uh, to win this game. But um, it might have been 1-0 at Parma. Uh, but uh, if you're an Interisti, this was a very encouraging performance given what's gone on in the past few weeks. Yeah, and it's kind of going It's, it's going back to the, the, the times where we were saying resourceful Inter. We were seeing that you know before the winter break. Um, it's, it's shades of that now. You know, the, it's a it's a tough matchup against Parma. Parma, uh, we saw what they did with, with against Juventus and what they've done this season. Um, but Inter pretty much dominated the whole game. It was very uncharacteristic of Parma. Um, good performance. Nagalun played pretty well, um, and then they finally did get the goal because that, that's the one thing that was missing from this performance by Inter was a goal. And luckily, Lautaro Martinez got that nice goal uh, to give him the win. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good sign for Inter to continue getting points. We we last week we were worried, you know, would they lose a, lose a hold of that third place? And this week they came back and put it together and and got a point or got three points, important points. So uh, they maintained their what is a four point lead in in the in the third place race. So yeah, and and that was important when you've got everybody behind you winning and trying to catch you. I mean, it's not just about fourth. I still think, and I made that comment last week. I think, I think there's two Champions League spots up for grabs here. I think that Inter are just close enough uh, where this can get pretty interesting here over the next several weeks. Um, you know, looking at uh, looking at how Inter performed in this game. Well, let me start with Parma. I mean. Uh, Gervinho was close a couple times, and this man just keeps turning back the clock, doesn't he? Oh, man, and that, the shot he took off the crossbar, what a wonderful play. Had he scored, it would have been goals of the week. Might have been the goal of the week, but um, crossbar was just a little too thick for him, and uh, oh, powerful shot. I mean, I don't think Handanovic would have had a chance if it was on net, so um, he just keeps turning back the clock, like you said, and he's, he's still got the speed. Usually when you get in your 30s, you, you lose the speed a little bit, not Gervinho, man. He he keeps you know that fast fast pace. I don't know if he's even lost a step so when he was in the twenties. So imagine if he had moves, you know. Yeah. He 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 has power. He has pace, and he has running. You know, he's you know. There's not a there's not a whole deal of 
creativity to what he does. He just outpaces you. He finds the he he finds the open spaces and attacks quickly and and gets behind you quickly. He's not a guy that you know um, you know is is you know is tricky on the ball. You know, like Ronaldo will tend to be. Even though Ronaldo is now at an age where you don't see that a whole lot out of him anymore. Um, you know, Ronaldinho in his heyday. Uh, you know, just a little bit of creativity to try to find some space. Lucas Paqueta is showing a little bit of that, just playing from a midfield position where, yeah. <clears throat> you know, he had that, I think, did you see that from him in the second half where he had that little, he had a little spin turn and he was brought down and the referee didn't call it. Um, but uh, I did, you know, we'll talk about Milan later. Uh, <laughs> I'm still <laughs> trying to squeeze still, it in where you can. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, still buzzing from that win. I mean, I know it was Cagliari, but, uh, but anyway, um, but when you uh, when you look at Jovino, he, he, you know he, there's nothing he, there's nothing creative or deceptive about him. He's just got good pace and he does does it with power and yep. you know he changes speed on you um, and he does it you know he does it in a deceptive way where he doesn't need him. But imagine if he had some kind of creative you know turn oh, or move that you lethal. could yeah you could name after how many more goals or how many more chances he would continue to create even at this stage of his career. So. Um, George Kuchka is back in our lives. I know we talked about that in the transfer window, and uh, he put in a pretty good shift for Parma as well before he got subbed off. Yeah, he's been he's been a he's been a good find for them. Uh, as a veteran Serie A player, he knows what he's doing. He just uh, he's uh, like a Mihalovic type player, even though Mihalovic is not in this game at all. Um, he's a, a hard, nice, uh, grinding type of player, a lot of grinta, um, but he knows how to you know find plays and make plays. He he did that before when he was in Syria before you know making his run, taking some shots, making some some nice passes. Uh, Kuchka is a solid Syria player, and Parma got a, a steal by, by by getting him this uh, this January window. Yeah, indeed. Um, on the Inter side, I mean, just a tremendous performance, like we said. I mean, one nil probably doesn't do it justice. They probably could have scored three or four here, and again, goalkeeping in play. Uh, a credit to how Luigi Seppe played. Um, he, you know, Lautaro Martinez was Lautaro Martinez wasn't going to be denied on his goal. Um, you know, super sub that he is comes on, gets the goal, gets the win, you know, helps win, Inter win the game. But let's talk about some of these guys that were on the pitch as starters. Um, you know, it's a real drought right now for Mauro Icardi. I mean, I'm not even going to. I mean, he got that late penalty in the Coppa Italia, but run of play. Um, you know, it's 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 almost, and it's very very fair to say, Richard, as he goes, Inter goes. Absolutely, and I think the services the services is not quite what it was before to him. He still had some point blank opportunities uh, during this run, but it's just you know he's snake bitten at the moment. You know, it, it had this happened like two months ago, three months ago, those have been surefire goals this year. But um, everything he's touched in January just either shanks or. Or goaltender just finds a way to make a save or something. Um, he just completely snake bitten, and the service isn't as good as it was before. So, um, hopefully, you know, Perisic, Kondrev, and all those guys, they can uh, get a little bit more opportunities. Maybe he's not making the runs that he needs to. I don't know, but um, as Jacko was when he was snake bitten, you just got to keep working hard, keep plugging away, and eventually, if you get in the right spots, you'll eventually get one in and break the duck. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of time. I mean, these strikers, it, it, at times, it's you know the they can go for droughts, but then when they get one, there's going to be a bunch following. Um, you know, we've seen that with uh, a number of different strikers this season. You know, Duvan Zapata is a, a classic example. Some of that had to do with that he didn't get a lot of pitch time in the early part of the season either. Um, 
but um, you know that's that's just the way it goes with strikers. You're starting to see with Aiden Jekyll now. You know, struggled for a long time, yeah. um, but now he's starting to turn up and pop up for some goals here for Doma. So, um, so you know, you know, Icardi obviously he was a presence in this game. He didn't score. Um, Ivan Perisic is he starting to overcome? I mean, I, I, this is a guy that I think was classic World Cup hangover, and felt that first half of the season there was I thought he struggled a good bit um you know put in a good performance today uh I'll read you his statistics uh nine crosses had a shot on target had one off target he was fouled once uh won a couple of tackles so um very very solid shift for the Croatian is this the start of hey I'm finally coming out of my World Cup hangover let's hope because he's uh when he's on his game he is him and Icardi are just a fantastic duo and he's he's world class in my opinion when he's when he's playing his game, but we haven't seen any of that since the World Cup. And I th- I agree with you. I think it probably is a it was a long hangover um, from the event, and and hopefully he is coming out of it not only for Inter's sake but for Serie sake because he's a fun player to watch. Um, not only with his crosses but his sensational goals. He can he can shoot it as good as anybody. So um, let's hope that uh, that the hangover is what it was before, and and he's out of it now. And uh, hopefully, we'll start seeing some goals and assists by this guy. I know Icardi will like it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you got and when you get in a combination, I mean, you have a you you have a foundation to the intern. You have a baseline. Uh, you know, Skriniar and Devray were very good in this game. Marcelo Brozovic was excellent in this game, and we've got those guys playing at a high level. It's going to be very hard to find a lot of space. For strikers to find a lot of space, and for you know some of the more influential you know attacking midfield types to find a lot of space. When these guys are on their game, there's not a lot of room to do anything against Inter. And um, you know, Gervinho carved out a couple of things, but that was just it for Parma. Yeah, yeah, they 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 were lackluster today. Inglese didn't do much. I mean, it was pretty much one man show, and he couldn't do anything as well. And uh, all credit has to go to Inter in this one. They they kept mounting the pressure. Um, Parma didn't ha- seem to have an answer for them, and um, luckily for them, Sepe did se- step up for um, majority of the game. He couldn't do anything about Latura Martinez, but um, yeah, they got to regroup. Um, they got a tough slate still ahead, and so they need to regroup and, and try to get another either a point or a three three points uh, in the next weekend. Yeah, for sure. So let's see how Inter. Uh you know, follow up uh, the performance here against Parma. Obviously, they're going to have the uh, uh, Europa League match with Rapid Wien in front of them, but they have Sampdoria coming to the San Siro, which will be a win. Sampdoria is awful on the road. Um, and then the return fixture against Rapid Wien, and then they travel to Fiorentina, uh, which uh, is not an easy one. So um, then they'll travel to Cagliari, hosts ball, and then the Derby. Uh, on uh, March 17th. My birthday, my birthday. The Derby's on my birthday, Richard. Oh, I guess um, I don't know what you're going to be doing. <laughs> uh, uh, tape delaying it and watching it later, unfortunately. When you recover from your hangover? <laughs> um, well, uh, no, I actually, uh, I, actually have, uh, I actually have Bucks tickets right when, uh, right when the game is going on. So... Um, <laughs> you you missed the derby. You missed the first derby for the DC United game. I'm missing the second derby for the Bucks uh, for yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. I can't, wait, I can't wait for that podcast. Yeah, they're playing the Sixers, so <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a legitimate reason to go to see a Bucks game. But uh, uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll catch the uh, derby on tape delay um, and uh, and go from there. Or maybe I'll play it. I, I 
I've got ESPN Plus on my phone. I could probably have it on while uh, while we're watching the game. So, uh, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> this will be interesting. So, Nima, you got a you got a great chance because you know one of us missed the first one. You won. We're gonna one of us is gonna miss the second one. So, uh, Inter's the favorite in that derby already. <laughs> so, yeah, a month away. Uh, but those are that was the first half of the match week twenty three slate. Your reaction to those five games? Go to at Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Richard's got the other five, and uh, they were all very interesting for their own reasons. Yeah. So uh, as Frank said, those are the first half of the games. Well, almost four and a half. Those are the first four games. There's another fifth one here. Uh, Bologna and Genoa, the, they started off the Did slate. Did I screw that up? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and don't worry about it. Uh, Bologna, I can take it real, I, I can take it real quick if you want because my, one of my favorite players scored in that game. Well then, hey, go for it. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and I don't think he even knew about it. Mattia Destro getting on the score sheet for Bologna. It hit the top. I don't I think the ball hit the top of his head. It was a ball in from Poli. Yeah. And the ball hit the top. So there you go. If that is, if that is, it, that has banter, Milan banter area written all over it <laughs> for Bologna. They're going to climb out of relegation with Sinisa <laughs> Mihailovic's manager and a Mattia Destro goal assisted by Andrea Poli. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I don't even know if he was, yeah, like, I, like you said, I don't even know if he was aware that I, the play was happening. He just hit him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry equalized in the 33rd minute. I think that's all we need to say about that game. Bologna's, yeah. uh, Bologna's in 17th now. I told you they're going to come out of this. So And Mihalovic is the guy to do it, so um, good for them. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Destro finally scores first goal in a year. Uh, I think since the last time they played each other last year. So, uh, it's, yeah, big goal for him. I'm sure he's happy no matter how he got it. Um, the next game on the slate... Uh, we're gonna go to Bergamo and uh, Bergamo hosting Spal in this one, and maybe they were looking ahead to next week's fixture against Milan. Um, who knows? But um, they weren't ready. They weren't quite ready for Spal in this one. Spal, they're a feisty team, as we always know, um, and they got a visit from their old friend, uh, one Andrea Petagna, in the eighth minute. Uh, he would score a lovely header, strong, powerful header. Uh, Frank, it seems like Patania's put on some weight lately. Have you seen him lately? It looks like he's getting a lot of eating a little too many donuts and pizza. I guess a uh, little, little, a uh, little too much of pasta. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the um, what the signature uh, pasta dish is in Ferrara, but uh, but he's having plenty of it. Yeah. Uh, but he still can get up and head a ball. So that hasn't that hasn't hurt him. Um, you know. So uh, maybe he's you know he's he's not. Uh, He's not growing vertically, but he can still get vertical. He's even, even though he's getting a little more horizontal, I guess. So he doesn't have Papu uh, Gomez whip him into shape, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a little there's a little truth to that. And um, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, it was uh, 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 an Atalanta player that provided the assist, Kurtic. So yeah, yeah. So two former Atalanta players hooking up. Uh, no celebration by Petania on the goal, as you would expect that he didn't do it in the first time they played, and he scored against him in the first time around. So, uh, Spal with the early lead, uh, they had certainly their opportunities in this one. Uh, they held the lead through halftime. Um, Atalanta sh- surely looking ahead to next week's matchup, but finally they started getting into gear in the second and second half. Gasparini must have had an inspirational speech or something, but uh, they came out and Ilicic would score in the 57th minute, one of the goals of the weekend, really. Um, beautiful strike, falling down really, and, and was able to get on the end of a Duvan's about to pass. 
And as he's fallen, he shoots it to the top of the net. Wonderful strike by him. Um, so that equaled the game there. And then, you know, speaking of the guy who assisted to him, Duvan Zapata, he would give him the lead and they win in the 79th minute, uh, scoring, a, a, scoring a wonderful goal as well. Him not quite as good as Ilicic, but it was good. Um, but good enough to give him the lead and Zapata's streak continues when you're, when you're on fire, Frank, as Zapata is. Uh, you any anytime you get a sniff at at, at goal, you're going to score that. Yeah, I mean, just uh, a, another great game for uh, Zapata. A nice bounce back game after not scoring last week. The scrub. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think? No, do you think I, they were looking ahead to Milan in this one because they they struggled mightily in the first half and really throughout the game. Spal put up a good effort, and we know Spal are our hard team to play. But Atalanta at home, that's usually lock up shop. They're done. This game's going to be won. I mean, it's a combination. I don't know how much truth there is to that. You got some small guys there that spent some time at Atalanta that, you know, whenever you're playing against a former team, there's there's always going to be some motivation. You know, and it's not like Kortic and, and Patania left on bad terms. They just got opportunities to go and get more up, you yeah. know, more playing time. So it's not like the, either of these guys were really shoved out, I don't think. So, um, you know, but... Uh, as good as Atalanta is and as, as attractive as they are attacking, they're, they're, they're going to give up the odd goal from time to time. And I think that that's what happened here. Um, you know, when I look at, uh, when you look at the stats from this game, Atalanta, you know, seized control of it. They, uh, monopolized possession. Uh, things ran through Papa Gomez as they always did. And then, uh, you know, you had Ilicic and Zapata doing the scoring. Um, uh, I think the Ilicic goal is a play of the week candidate. Um, uh, for his finish, but also for the cross from Zapata, only one guy was getting that ball, and it was Ilicic. So, yeah, great, great, uh, great cross. You know, and I think that that's something that uh, you know people overlook when it comes to Duvan Zapata. He scores goals clearly, but he also, I mean, he can come up with something like that, and he shows a little bit of versatility with that assist. Oh, absolutely, and that and uh, Atalanta—they're just—they're just a good squad now, and they found a way to win to get three points, and that's that's important too because. Um, they're they're in this Champions League race too. They're they're one point behind now, and um, look at now this team is is still rolling. And you know how long will this run last? We'll find out. But uh, Atalanta are certainly playing playing really really well. Papu Gomez had a couple opportunities in this game, Frank point blank, and uh, he just got uh, shut up by Viviano. But um, he was everywhere as well, and he you know he if, he didn't get the goal, but he was certainly playing all over the pitch as he normally does. I mean. <laughs> 14 crosses um, in this game. He had two shot, two shots on target, two off target. He missed two big chances, as you said. Yeah. Uh, you know, denied by the goalkeeper on one that he probably would normally score. Um, but you know, he was in our squad that if you know it for a reason, he is the um, he really is the uh, the engine for this team. Um, and once again, he proved it in this game. He, he, he generated so many opportunities. I mean, in reality, Atalanta could have, you know, could have had a, a, what's kind of become custom with them four or five goals in this game. They got the two, they got the three points. They'll be satisfied with that, but uh, they left some goals out there in this game. And, and Pablo Gomez is, you know, plays a big part uh, in creating those, those goal scoring opportunities. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. And so Atalanta win that game 2-1. to one. Uh, Going into our next game, uh, Sampdoria hosting Frosinone. And this would be the upset of the weekend. Um, so we're at the Luigi Ferrari. The upset of the season. Ooh, no kidding. And Tamarasi and, and Sampdoria, we, last weekend we had this argument about 
well, not argument. We we talked about how Sabdoria are usually really good at home and and on the road they stink. And and Rocco told us, you know, hey, it's not always about the home. Sometimes you know they 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 lose at home and they have their very streaky team. Well, this game today proved proved that, that was one hundred percent true. Uh, Frosinone uh, get the shock win. I mean, just before you know, leading up to the goal, they were putting nonstop pressure on Sampdoria. They just kept it in the box. They would get a shot off. It would be saved. Come back out to Frosinone. They put it right back in, and it was probably like four opportunities before Chiofani finally scored. Uh, this all took place around the 25th minute. Um, this is not what you would expect with Frosinone uh, to get that kind of pressure on any opponent, let alone Sampdoria at home. No, Frosinone have been terrible all season. Um, you know, and they've had a hard time scoring goals. Uh, so when you see them come out and be positive, I mean, it was almost like they're, you know, the, the game plan was go after him, get a goal, and then just shithouse it the rest of the way because that's what Frosinone are going to have to do to survive. And we saw that in action here over the course of 90 minutes. Um, you know, uh, now it was uh, it was the goal by the goal was scored by Chofani. Um, but, uh, the, you know, the, the team, you, as you would expect, the performances came from, uh, their back three, uh, who were all terrific. Uh, yeah. and these are guys that have all, I think, spent some time in our crap on a cracker 11, every one of them, uh, Eduardo Goldaniga, yes. uh, Bartos Salomon and, and Marco yes. Capuano. Yep. We motivate. <laughs> so, See, Frank, we motivate. And yeah, Sportiello, say, hey. I think I think Sportiello has been in on our um, Crapner Cracker team too, and he was fantastic. Yeah, and it's just like you know, this is you know, this is this is what we say. You get into this team, and it's it, it motivates you to say, "Hey, I'm better than this." You know, <laughs> um, Milinkovic Savic hasn't gotten that memo yet. He did, he did, he he did against Empoli, but then he came off hurt. Um, but uh, but you know. <laughs> You're gonna to have to resort to some pretty ugly tactics to try to get out of this thing if you throw Zinone. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't teach my team to play the way they did, but they got it done. I don't know what's more shocking that they won at Sampdoria or they didn't give up a goal. Um, they they get the shutout one nothing. That's uh, that's I mean, maybe the first time they've not get, uh, given up a goal all season. No, it's not true. I know they had some zero zero games, but um, yeah, great win for Frosinone. Terrible, terrible loss to Sampdoria. We were trying to praise them, saying, "Hey, they're a Europa League team. You know, maybe if they get their their stuff together, they'll they'll even push for the Champions League." Games like this will uh, get give, that conversation will go away really quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Sampdoria. This is why they're always going to be a step off of the European places. They're not consistent enough, and we a lot of it is is we harp on the away form with them. But the reality the reality is is that. You know, there's there's a fragility. We talk about fragility with some of these teams like Inter, Roma. You know, for a little while, Milan. Although, looks like they've kind of gotten their act together here. They're yeah, definitely yeah. very hard become very hard to break down all of a sudden. But um, Sampdoria is kind of lumped in that category. Certainly. Let me ask you this: Is it time to worry about Marco Giampaolo? If they don't make Europa League this season. Uh, that's just my standard for them. Then, yeah, th- this team is too good to not be in the conversation for Europa League or, or a European spot. Um, they're too streaky, and I think that comes down to coaching, right? Um, a, a team like Sampdoria, you see, you see how good they can be, and then they turn around with stinkers like this, and you're like, what is going on? It's poor planning. 
it could just be, you know, John Paulo has his way he wants to play, and if he'll play the same way every game no matter what. And as Rocco said last week, you know, some teams will just figure it out. And they know how to play, and they they challenge them. They push they push the envelope, and that's what Frozen None did, and that's how they got the win. And um, it all comes down to the manager, I think. And, you know, if they continue this trend to the end of the season, I think he'll be looking for another job. Safe to say your boy uh, Manolo Gabbiadini has not yet settled into Sampdoria yet because he got his first start in this game, and he was terrible. Yeah, he he really was, and he and he's not. You know, he, he really should be second in the pecking order. I mean, you got obviously Quagliarella, you got Caprari. There's a lot of good guys there up and up in the attack for for Sampdoria. So he needs to earn his place, and by doing that, you need to get goals when you get the opportunities. And he's not doing that at the moment. He got the one goal a week or two ago, but since then he hasn't really done much. And uh, you can't say it's a language barrier because he's freaking Italian. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. The winner of this game for me, other, other than obviously Frosinone, was Sportiello. I mean, he stole yeah. the show for me. I mean, he had some great saves on Quagliarella and, and Lanetti and Pret. Um, he was really, really good in this one. And, uh, I mean, he, his performance is so good. Like you said, it was his top plays we're talking about. I think his, his performance is a top five candidate. Who was, who was better, Sportiello or Lafont? Oh, man. Considering the opponent, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to Lafont. Uh, he made some fantastic saves, point blank. But Sportiello was, I mean, right there. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to separate the two. They both had really, really fantastic uh, weekends. I'm with you. I'm gonna put Lafont ahead of uh, Sportiello. Yeah, no, they, they both of them were outstanding for sure. Uh, this the goaltenders really stole the show this weekend. Um, speaking of goaltenders stealing the show, we're gonna go over to Torino hosting Udinese. Uh, this one was a a very good game. Two good goaltenders in this one. Musu for um, Udinese and uh, obviously Salvatore Sirigu for Torino. Um, the goaltender started early in this one. Uh, Belotti thought he had a goal early on with a head. A wonderful strike uh, with a head. Uh, but Musu with a wonderful reaction save gets it away. Um, Go- Belotti was uh, couldn't be. He was surprised. He, he was shocked they didn't go in. Uh, but uh, you know something we've been accustomed to the last. Now, ever since Musa has been starting, uh, he's a solid goaltender for Udinese. They got a really fine, a, a good find there. I definitely agree with that. I think our World Football Index guy said, you know, we were asking um, about him and, uh, and about Pusetto. They they feel that Musso could down the road uh, contend for the Argentina number one. So uh, that's pretty high praise and, and, and good potential for him. Yeah, and, and it shows with performances like this. And, and as he's done, uh, he's really, really good reactions, good on the ball. Um, good distribution, so he's a he's a solid goal uh, goaltender by them. Um, he couldn't keep everything out of the net though. Uh, Olaina, uh, he got a nice goal uh, in the thirty first minute. Um, sloppy play by Udinese to turn it over, but uh, Olaina, you know, being the right place, right time, finish it off as you as you want. Um, he gets his first goal. I think that's his first goal for the Nigerian. Was that was that right, Frank? I believe so, and you know what? If there's a player in Serie A that deserves a goal, yes, it's him. Yes, absolutely. Um, he's been outstanding for Torino this season. He's a Chelsea loanee. I hope that Torino can figure out how to keep him permanently because I'd hate to see him go back to Chelsea and waste his talent there. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just digging at Chelsea right now. It's just, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, Sarri, they gave him Ooh. next to nothing to work with. He gets to have his... You know, Jorginho and, and, and Iguain, but they didn't improve anywhere else. You've got Aiden Hazard. I mean, this is my EPL rant, and I know I'm drifting, but Aiden Hazard to me is a coach killer, okay? He is a flat-out coach killer. Um, you know, 
things go well, he's happy, all that other stuff. But when things are going bad and things are short of form, and especially when he's short of form, it's the manager's fault. And I'll never rate Aiden Hazard among the best in the world until he gets over that, okay? Because he's part of the problem. He is part of the problem over there. And there's Chelsea fans that probably listen to this, and you can fight me on this all you want, but he is among the guys in that dressing room that is an absolute coach killer. And this has been the uh, European Roundup, uh, English Premier League Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're 100% right on that. Um, and uh, taking it back to the, you know, to, to Syria, um, Olaina, we, we hope he stays at, at, at Chelsea, not Chelsea, at, at Torino, because he's been, like you said, been fantastic all year long. Uh, definitely working hard for the team, and he's a, he's a quality, quality player for them. Um, and so Torino had the lead. For most of the game, it looks like they're going to win it, right? End of the game, um, Nicholas Nkolu, uh, he does his best lumberjack impression and takes down Okaka in the penalty box. First, nothing is called, but then they go to VAR. Uh, then they realize it was an obvious penalty. We'll get to obvious penalties later, but um, he gets. It's obviously Nicholas Nkolu hacks Okaka down the box. So Udinese get a penalty opportunity, right? The Paul steps up. He's usually pretty pretty money in this situation. Uh, but Nohu, Sirigu, with the fantastic save on the penalty, um, it, it put an exclamation mark on this game because Sirigu had a fantastic game. Uh, big saves left and right all game long, and the, and the, and the icing on the cake or the cherry on, cherry on top of everything, the wonderful save on the penalty. Did you get a chance to see the save, Frank? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, very well done there by uh, Sirigu. Um, uh, you know, in the VAR review showed, obviously, that it was a penalty. I uh, was surprised that the referee didn't catch it on the first time. Um, I mean, it's exa- it's it's it parallels what uh, Kolarov did to Suzo last week, um, except you know Kolarov got away with it. Um, you know, we'll have another incident here a little bit later on that we'll talk about and see if that was legit or not. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, but they got it right. But then Sidigu comes up and makes the save and does well. So this wasn't anything you know where VAR you know serve justice or anything like that they they got this one right 100 percent uh so Udinese couldn't score on the penalty and Torino would win the game one nothing uh good win for them look out now don't look out now but they're on 34 points uh they're in the mix with the big boys for the European uh, European spot we thought this is a place where we thought they could be with the talent that they have but Mazzari's got the guys really buzzing right now and I'm just going to keep saying this uh Walter Mazzari you know, I would, you know, and I said manager of the first half of the season was Carlo Ancelotti. You said Gasparini. But you know what? Walter Mazzotti is up there because he's got this Torino team, top half, 34 points, you know, four points out of the European places with how many goals does Andrea Belotti have this season? Mm, eight, maybe. Eight. Okay. Your 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 hitman is scoring once only only once every three games, you know, where there's a uh, Capocannonieri race where the leader has 18 goals. There's guys on 17, 16, and 15 goals. Your best goal scorer, the guy that you rely on to bag it for you, has eight in 23 games, and they're sitting in eighth on 34 points. That just goes to show you how organized Mazzotti's got this team and how well the players. Uh, have rallied around and bought into what he's demanding of them. Yeah, he's done a really tremendous job with with the with the team that he's had, and like you said, 
their 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 hitman isn't scoring and and they're still finding ways to win. They're getting contributions from all the way around now. Not only Olaina and 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 Miete and, and some of the other guys. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a team effort. The team's playing harder now. They're they're much more difficult to play now. There's not a guaranteed. Uh, you can walk in, walk around, and walk all over them. They're they're make every match tough. Um, even as Juventus in the Turin Derby, in Turin Derby. So, um, well, Mazzotti's doing a fantastic job. He's got to be considered for Manager of the Year. Um, if it ended right now, he would certainly get one of my votes. Yeah, yeah, he's he's up there. You know, I, I think that Ancelotti keeping the ship steady at Napoli is still you know, is, is still probably my favorite of all the managers at this point. Yeah. I guess maybe uh, for me, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been up there and I think you've got to give Catuzo a lot of credit for, you know, keeping Milan in the top four with all of the engine. Now those guys are coming back. Um, you know, you've got to give Catuzo a lot of credit for, for being able to keep things afloat at Milan. Um, when he had himself a little bit of an injury crisis, and it looks like they've got it all back together now, uh, make a couple key signings, start getting guys back from injury. So there's some very good, overall, there's some very good managerial performances going on here, and I just want to make sure Matsadis isn't overlooked. I could not agree more. Now, speaking of good managers, we're going to go over to Juventus. They were on the road against Sassuolo. Uh, This started early, uh, Frank. We were talking about, penalties and and whether they were in or not um i i think it was juricic correct me if i'm wrong but uh, juricic gets taken down in the box no call uh they went to var and no no penalty penalty it was a penalty or a goal kick for the for juventus uh did you agree with the call no because there's there's precedent this the exact same thing happened to juan cuadrado cuadrado yep and they gave Juventus a penalty, so you can't, you know, you 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 know, you you. I mean, <laughs> I I saw somebody show that video, and I took that video and I retweeted it. It's on my Twitter feed somewhere, and I said, and 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 you're telling me there isn't Juventus privilege in this league, mm-hmm. um, so or something like that. So you're, if you're going to give Cuadrado a, a penalty for that, then you better give uh, Juricic a penalty for that. And then it's the same thing. Um, if if uh, Okaka gets a penalty for uh, Nkolu clumsily bumbling into him, then Suzo should have gotten a penalty for Kolarov clattering into him. You know, it's just it's it's the inconsistencies. It's and it's not just you know me railing on Juventus and talking about Juventus privilege. There's just the it, the, the officiating is so woefully inconsistent. Yeah, you know, across the board. Especially compared last year to this year, it's been tremendously off. Uh, last year they were actually pretty good, pretty consistent for the most part of the season. This year it's the quite opposite, and they're missing obvious calls. Like this one was a obvious penalty on against Juricic. Um, I don't know how anybody saw it otherwise, and well, um, apparently somebody did because they didn't call it a goal or they didn't call a penalty. So um, I thought that while it probably didn't affect the game, you never know because that's what I've been playing pretty well lately. Um, but I think the result would have would have happened no matter what you know Juventus win like they did three nothing. But um, when it's a penalty, it needs to be called. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, uh, teams like Juventus don't need any more help. They're they're good enough. They don't need you know give give Sassuolo a penalty. It's a, a rightful penalty. We're not. It wasn't borderline. It was a penalty. Stonewall. Yeah, fully agree there. And it's uh, you know that's 
when you find yourself playing two teams, the the, the opponent and the officials, it's you know, psychologically it's gonna psychologically it's hard. So sure, sure. And speaking of psychologically hard. Um Juventus fans have been on Sammy Kadira lately, Frank, and for good reason too. Uh, he's getting older now. While he still has uh, the tactical wherewithal and, and and the know-how, he doesn't have the pace yet anymore. Uh, he can't quite finish his opportunities, or so we thought. Um, uh, clumsy turnover uh, by Viviani to Ronaldo of all people. You know, he gets a shot. He saves that, but Kadira is there, right there on the doorstep. Gets a goal. Uh, he scores the goal. You know, just when we were saying oh, Juventus fans want him out, give a reason to get him out, he comes back and scores goals, big goals like that. I mean, it ended up being the game-winning goal, but um, Kadira still still can score uh, despite his lack of speed. Yeah, but I mean, he was in a position where any of us would have scored that. I think it was. Uh, I mean, but maybe not Robinho. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not Robinho, but. Anyone could have. I mean, yeah. I mean, but you, you still got to finish it. You still got work to do. You still got to do the business. And I did it. Concilia is the goalkeeper for for Concilia, Cesaro. Sorry, so Concilia, for a while, yeah. well, we had a lot of very impressive goalkeeper performances this weekend. Andrea Concilia was awful. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, <clears throat> the, what happened on in that particular instance was probably the uh, you know kind of the, uh, the 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 shining example and was probably the indicator of how the rest of his game would go. Um, but no, good on Kadira to get the goal, and you know, it's it, the game has is increasingly passing him by, and I think he a lot of it is because he's put on a lot of miles. Uh, you know, playing in a midfield position, especially when he came over to Juve, was in a two man midfield with Pjanic, where he had to cover a lot of ground. Um, and you know, I think that uh, you know, once in a while he pops up and scores a goal, and once in a while he pops up and he surprises Juventini pleasantly. So, um, but you know, a, a, this is a player that's at the stage of his career where he's he's had a very decorated career. He's a World Cup winner. Um, he didn't win the champion. I don't think he won the Champions League. I don't think he was at Real Madrid when they won a Champions League. Um, I might be wrong on that. I might be right. I might be wrong on that. I'm not sure. He may have won one. Probably one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he's won a World Cup. Uh, you know, he's won trophies at Real Madrid. He's won trophies at Juve. Um, he's had a he's had a solid career. And, um, you know, good to see that he can still pop up and get you the odd goal. And uh, no shame in that. If, if you, you know, fans will take goals from anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy who'll take goals from anywhere is the Capacanieri leader at the moment, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh off a corner kick in the 70th minute, uh, he would get a header in the goal, score the goal, and then proceed to do his normal celebration by ending it with a Dabala celebration. And I was confused for a minute because at first I was like, oh, did Dabala make the assist on the corner? Then I was like, no, no, that was Mirlan Pjanic. So I was confused with that. Did you see that? Uh, he ended the, his ended his celebration with the with the Dabala mask. I saw that, and Dabala didn't play in this game. And I don't know if, if there's something going on in the camp and... <laughs> Because Dybala has had rifts with Allegri in the past and has not been happy in the past. And he's in and out of the team. And I don't want to start anything. <laughs> but, you know, you don't know if he's if he's mocking Dybala there or if he's maybe paying tribute to his teammates saying, hey, be good to see this. Because, you know, when you see them in, in, in some of the... Uh, you know, in some of the scenes off the pitch and signing autographs for the fans, they were together a little bit. So, you know, so I... I don't know I, if he wanted to pay tribute to him, if he was mocking him, and only Ronaldo knows 
what his intentions are with that celebration. Yeah, and, and Dybala didn't get to start in this one. He did play. He came, it came out on the 83rd minute. Um, but, yeah, we don't know what what that was all about. Um, but but Dybala, yeah, he would come in on the 83rd minute. Uh, I think it was for Sami Kadir. I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, that was Bernadeschi. That's what, that's right. That's who it was. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he would end up getting an assist on the Emery Chan goal. Emery Chan, who was the heir apparent to replace Kadir, uh, most likely that's what Allegri's intentions were. Um, he would score a goal in the 88th minute, um, or 86th minute, excuse me. And so, yep. uh, three nothing victory for Juventus. Um, it's rare they get three goals because usually they get two goals and then they, they set up shop. But, um, they, you know, they were intent to end this game and, and make sure there was no, no chance that Sessel was going to even have a sniff at coming back. Um, a solid performance by them. It was a typical, um, resourceful Juventus being, you know, doing what they need to get another shutout. They were close though to giving up a goal, uh, Chesney, and I don't remember what time, when it was in the second half, but, uh, he came out near midfield for some odd reason, um, yeah. times to play, Berardi has an empty net and misses it just by a foot. He has, he has Piantikaitis, <laughs> fellow countryman. <laughs> I can do what my fellow countryman's doing, watch me. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, oh, you can't. Goodness. Like, what was no, he thinking? You can't. No, you can't, and you almost conceded a goal. <laughs> and you wonder so, why him and Perry switch so much. No, I'm just kidding. Jesse yeah. is a fantastic keeper, but sometimes uh, he uh, makes plays like that. It's, uh, he, he, I mean, right after the play, after the miss, uh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, that was very strange uh, how far out he was. I guess he was getting bored and not getting any shots against him, so he wanted to get in the game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. The life of a Juventus goalkeeper sometimes. There's, sometimes there's just not a lot for you to do. But usually it's with Bonucci and Chiellini. Well, not Bonucci, but usually it was with Chiellini in front of you. But he's been out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm somewhat impressed with the job Allegri has done here with some injuries to his defense um, and still having the ability to help hold down the forward. I mean, it helps that you've got some guys that can help you keep the ball. Uh, you know, guys like Bernadeschi, who was used in this game, uh, Ronaldo, obviously, uh, Pjanic with, um, you know, his ability to control things through the midfield, but then also his ability on set pieces and on corners. So there's there's enough there that help help you they keep the ball and maybe relieve some of the pressure on the you know, makeshift back four that we've been seeing with Juve here in recent weeks with some well, well, some of these injured players try to make their returns. So, um, and Michelle, you would play pretty well too, actually, with nice crosses and. No, no, no. <laughs> Can't say that. You're not. We're, we're legally never allowed to say DeShilio played well. I meant to say Milanese, cover your ears real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I'm going to, you know, you should edit that. <laughs> Don't want word to get out that you actually think he's a pretty good player. Oh. That'll ruin our credibility. I know, right? <laughs> oh, oh my, he wasn't bad. I, that's about as far as I'll go with him. He wasn't bad. Fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, still get a kick out of. I still get a kick out of when they eliminated uh, Tottenham from. Was it a to- last year? Tottenham from the Champions League, and then they had like a little team picture in the dressing room, and he's like in the front of the team picture, like he actually did something. He wasn't even in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think I retweeted it said DeShilio in the picture like he actually did something. <laughs> so, he was holding Dybala's water bottle, I think. There you go. That was when Dybala, you know, Dybala had some form to him. Right now, it just kind of he's just been in and out so much. I don't think he can find any consistency. But again, I, I give Allegri credit here. He's run into some issues. He's run into some injuries and just you know some little bit of adversity, and they just keep on going. So 
Um, you can't really, you can't really, you can be jealous of it, but I, I, I I'm, I'm a little jealous of it, I, but I don't altogether hate it. Yeah, and so, you know, Juventus keep on rolling. They're, as you said, they've extended their lead now in the Serie A table by 11 points, um, to 11 points, I should say. Um, yeah, they keep doing things and getting ready for the big uh, Champions League coming up around the corner. It's not too far away. Uh, but they're continuing to get victories and continue to stretch out the lead and close up shop on the Scudetto race this season. Um, a team that is trying to get into the Champions League race or stay in the Champions League race, I should say, is uh, Milan. They would host uh, Cagliari at the Giuseppe Miazza. No, we don't call it that. We call it San Siro. Uh, San Siro. Uh, Milan, uh, they, uh, played really well in this one. Um, they've been coming, as we said, as we mentioned earlier, they're starting to come around now. Uh, Gattuso's got the guys. They went through the injury bug. Uh, they, they stabilized the ship and now they're actually playing really, really well. Their defense is coming around really strong lately. Um, they started in the 13th minute. Uh, Suzo trying to curl in a ball with a left footed shot. Uh, pings around, hits off a Cipatelli, uh, own goal in the 13th minute. I thought that was a, um, Souza looked like he had some uh, intention in this game, and early on he was really, you know, being really involved. And that play right there, I mean, I thought it was going to be a goal by him, but it was a wacky set of plays that bounced around, and and Cipatelli doing his best uh, Piantic uh, impersonation and scores a goal. Yeah, and, and well, here's the thing: I mean, if if, if Cipatelli's not there, Piantic is. So exactly. I mean, he was right next to him. So if that if if it gets past him, Piantic's there to score it. So there's there's really nothing. I mean, Chepatelli didn't know about it, but there's nothing he could do about it either. So, um, you know, I think it was uh it was a shot that I think that I, I it was a good. I, I actually think it was a good save by Cranio. I think he just got oh, unlucky. Yeah. So, um, Cranio's you know, a fantastic was, young keeper. So I, I agree. I, I agree. The kid's got a the kid's got a very good future. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, when you, when you, when you look at that play, good save, just unlucky where the ball ended up. Yeah. And, and, and there's nothing the goalie could have, done, could have really done too much. He did his what he could and the ball just bounced around. Chepatelli hits happened to be right there and deflects off of him and goes on the goal. So, but it was good, good spell of, uh, attacking possession by Milan that, that led up to the goal. And Suzo is the main contributor for that. Um, he found, he found open space with his left foot and, and, and curled in a nice shot uh, to get to get Milan the lead. Basically, we won nothing at that point. Uh, and then uh, nine minutes later or so, uh, I think is probably the play of the weekend. Um, David Davide Calabria, I think, was probably one of the best players in this game for Milan. Um, he's he's kind of stepped up to the challenge of saying, you know, Andrea Conti's back. He might be having the position to right back. And he's like, you know what? No, this is my position. I'm going to make it mine. And he's been playing really well as of late. He has a superb cross across the box and coming out of nowhere is uh, Lucas Paqueta. Wonderful strike. Uh, a vo- nice volley, top top shelf. Gets a goal. Uh, ends up, you know, celebrating. Uh, he honored the goal to um, the tragedies that happened in Brazil this past weekend. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. But um, wonderful goal by Paqueta Frank. Uh, I don't think anyone could have taken any better than the way he did it. I mean, just midair, beautiful. Yeah, a couple things on this, and I'll start with Calabria. Uh, th- that man's playing for a job. I mean, Andrea Conti's back, and ever since Andrea Conti's back, Davide Calabria's performances have been through the roof, and and this was his best one yet. But he's been really good um, over the last few weeks. Um, you know, so, and, and one of the 
better crosses I've seen uh, this season. Um, you know, I, I, I raved about the Callejon cross last week uh, against Sampdoria. Uh, the Zapata cross this week. This was this was something. When I saw that cross go, I said, "Man, somebody get to that. That is that is pretty," because not one Cagliari player has got a shot at it. And uh, Paqueta did well to get to the other end of it and and put it away. Now, the, what you are referring to as far as the tragedy, um, the uh, a, a training academy at uh, the club Flamengo. Um, and there was a tragedy there where there was a fire, and uh, ten players, uh, ten ten players from the Flamengo Academy, uh, anywhere from the ages of fourteen to sixteen, lost their lives, uh, perished in this fire. So a, a real tragedy. We're thinking about uh, uh, you know the community in Rio and the Flamengo supporters, and, and especially those families. And there is a lot of conversation right now going on about the condition of those of, of those of those lodgings. Uh, where the players stayed at, um, you know, the Flamengo, the the Flamengo uh, staff thought it was fine. Um, you know, the city mayor said they were substandard at best. The families were saying they were substandard at best. Yet they're still staying at them. So there's a lot of stuff going on over with that, yeah. going on with that. And you know, good on Lucas Bagetta to go ahead and uh, you know, you know, pay tribute on on his and and you know, I'd say what a way, you know. What a way to open his account in Serie A with the goal that he scored, but uh, for him personally, it was a bittersweet moment. Yeah, and it's his former, it's a club that he came from, and uh, it obviously means a lot to him. And uh, you, could, you could tell with the celebration, it, it, you know, it's his first goal in Serie A. You think he'd celebrate a lot more, but it was obviously subdued because of the tragedies, and he's honoring the goal to them. So, um, uh, great for him to get 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 off the snide and, and get his uh, open up his Syria account, but also it's a a great tribute to the to his team or his former team, I should say. So, um, but he's he's a player that's taken uh, to Milan uh, and Syria really like like it's his old hat. It's uh he's 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 fit in nice seamlessly, and he seems to um, really step up. And he's a player that people have been talking about. We've heard all so much about him. Before he came to Syria, and he's he's living up to the hype so far. He's definitely lived up to the hype. I agree with that. Well, his uh, he's you know he's a, the new January signing. They signed him earlier, but he didn't join the team until January. And the the other person who joined uh, that we all talk about a lot is Piantic. Uh, he would get on the score sheet in the sixty second minute. Um, lovely bit of play. Uh, that leads up to the goal. You know, as a as a true poacher does, he find he gets sniff in front of, in the goal. Um, I think Charlie Nolo was the one who, who was very persistent on that play, but uh, he ended up uh, getting just getting a, a, a foot of, of clearance and he and found a way to score the goal uh, as a true poacher would do. And three nothing, but Milan. I thought in this game just before that goal, uh, Cagliari were starting to get into this Frank. And I thought watching this game that um, if Cagliari score a goal here, they're going to be in this game and it's going to be it's going to be a fight till the end. Uh, they had their opportunity, Jao Pedro. Uh, this is probably literally minutes before the Piantic goal. Um, had the opportunity. Uh, Donnarumma makes a fantastic save. I mean, he gets down as he has been over this whole season. Gets up quickly, challenges Jao Pedro, and Jao Pedro, who tries to chip him, shoots it over the goal. I think it maybe hit the crossbar. Yeah, hit the crossbar, and and, and Romagnoli kicked it out. But um, great reaction by Donnarumma to get down and make the save and get up and as he did in the Roma game and 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 thwart off the the the, the follow up shot. There were there were periods of vulnerability here with Milan after the second goal, um, after the Paquetta goal. 
uh, where they they looked a little shaky. Uh, some things were opening up in the midfield, and uh, Calgary were, were hoping to try and take advantage. Um, Donnarumma came up big in those instances, made some very nice saves, including this one here on Joao Pedro. That was point blank. And I mean, how many point blank saves were there this weekend from goalkeepers? Um, they have stepped up their game this weekend when we think about it across the board. I mean, we most are, we're most impressed with Lafont and with Sportiello, but you look at Sirigu, you look at, um, uh, you look at, uh, you know, Musso generally Musso, was yeah. really good for Udinese. And then here, Donnarumma, um, <clears throat> the goalkeeping, I think, was, uh, Quite was was just as impressive as the attackers were this weekend. I mean, they were all on a, they were all on a level playing field this weekend. So, but you know, Milan. You know, I've been told for years by you know coaches that I consider mentors the the worst lead to have is two nil uh, or a two goal lead. Yeah. Uh, because you're playing that balancing act of trying to go for the third and killing the game off, but you don't want to weaken yourself to the point where they get one and they're back in it. So, um. You know, so they were wrestling with that a little bit, and then the third goal came, and I think that that settled everybody for the rest of the game, uh, and they could focus on okay, let's get the clean sheet, let's keep them out here, and then and then we can try to hit them on the break and some opportunities. Yeah, the AC Milan Godfather, you know, he tweeted out, he's like, hey, the thing Gattuso is probably, I hope Gattuso doesn't try to like do his Gattuso thing and and just defend and let the other team get back into the game with a goal and. Um, luckily, after that Donnarumma save, Milan went down and scored a goal and, and got the three nothing lead, and that pretty much took the win out of Galeri. They really weren't, um, they weren't able to surmount or amount too many too much pressure after that goal. And like you said, Milan did a good job of of setting up shop and closing, getting getting out of there with three points with a shutout uh, and regaining that uh, Champions League spot that uh, Roma and Lazio and and Atalanta had jumped over briefly uh, during the weekend. It, yeah, obviously a very vital three points with Atalanta, Roma, and Lazio all winning. Um, but I want to comment on a couple of players here for Milan while I got a chance because I've got it some I've got some things to get get off my chest here. Um, and I didn't, you know, <laughs> and I think it was uh, Steve who was doing the moderating of the uh, Milan Weekly Pod Twitter uh, page because you know we had a uh, exchanging of ideas about uh, Hakan Chalhanolu first. And there's a sentiment of Milan Twitter out there that are very frustrated with him. Okay. My rebuttal to that is, well, who do you want to put there then? Okay. Here's the thing. Okay. Um, Chalhanolu is never going to outpace anybody. All right. Um, but look at what he did in this game. And, and the frustration is, is that, and, 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 and everybody from Matteo Benetti to the, to the, you know, scourge of Milan Twitter were all were just wailing on him. Yeah. Um, because he'd get into these positions and Piantic's on and he doesn't give it to Piantic. I mean, and it's just like, okay, fine. We have Pionticitis and I get it. But let's not have an over infatuation with him. There's other players on the pitch. And let me tell you something, okay, at least what I've learned through my years of coaching, through my years of playing if you have a player that can create his own shot or wants to try to create his own shot, you don't take that away from him. Exactly. Okay? Chalhanolu, he's going to do that, and he is going to get a little greedy. That is a part of his game. Okay? And and we knew that when we signed him. Okay? And and are there a couple of decisions there where maybe the pass to Piantic makes more sense? Sure. There's, But you can say that. Say that about Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay? 
<laughs> over the years. And I get I get it. Ronaldo scored way more goals than Chalhanolu has, and I get that, okay? But say that about some of these players that are trying to get greedy and create their own shot, okay? Chalhanolu is no different, and I'm not going to take that away from them. When I coach young players, I don't take that away from them. If they think they can take somebody on or create some space for themselves and take the shot, if they think they've got it, I don't want to take that away from him. Gattuso is not going to take that away from Chalhanolu, and neither should Milan Twitter or any ardent supporters of AC Milan, okay? Were there a couple of instances where you pass it to Piantic and let him finish it? Sure. Okay, but when you get into the final third of the pitch, you know, <laughs> finish first, uh, beat a defender and finish second, pass third. You know, um, most attacking players are going to have that instinct. I mean, am I – fight me on this if you want, Richard. <laughs> I'll fight you. No, no. No, you're absolutely right. Um, both Suzo and Chalinolo, they, they're guys who can create their own their own shot, and they should take the shot when they got it. Yeah, um, I mean, and here's the thing. Suzo does the exact same shit. Exactly. And But nobody goes after Suzo. <laughs> it's just it's, it's astonishing to me to see, to read, I'm so done with Hakan Chalinolo. Well, fine, be done with him. What do you, you want Barini? You want Barini to start and play every game? Gattuso has already come out and said, as long as I'm here, Chalhanolu is going to be playing. So, yeah. Um, I mean, he sees, he sees a, what he brings to the table. Like you say, he's, both he and Suzu, they're not going to outpace anybody. Uh, they're, they're, they create their own opportunities. They, they set up people with nice passes. They're good at free kicks. They're good at taking shots when they get, when they get the chance. Uh, that's what they do. They're there to um, assist in, in, in assist the striker in trying to get goals. Um, it's not only the strikers trying to score. It's both these players too. They're attacking midfielders for a reason, and then their wings. And their job is to cut in. They both have lethal, you know, Chalanolu with his right foot and and Suzu with his left. They're that's their that's their bread and butter play is to cut in and take a shot or or assist. And if you take that away from them, then what do they have? Right, left, right. Uh, Chalanolu is also very good at backtracking too, and um, he has a lot to his game. It's just, it just doesn't have the speed. And yes, he doesn't get the goals right now, but he's in a little bit of a funk. Yeah. Um, it- it's magnified because he hasn't scored a goal this season. Exactly. Had he had, if he, if he had reason. like 15 goals already this season and that happened, no one would be talking. Exactly. Now, and then the other one is Frank Kessie. And we had this with, we had this with Michael a couple weeks ago. Okay. And, and Bonetti went on there and just had some, trying to have some amusing bird box gif about Kessie leading the counterattack with the, the woman blindfolded or something like that. When there were two, like, like when there were two players available to him. You know, and he's leading the counterattack and going through it blind. Because you, you remember that instance in the first half? And yeah, yeah. He, he took the shot. No problem with that at all. None. And I'll tell you why. Go back and watch that. Okay, the defenders. Kessie's leading the charge. The defenders instinctively, instinctively, immediately started working their way towards. And I think it was Suzo and Piantic on the break. They immediately started working their way towards and cutting off any kind of passing lane to them. So Kessie's forced to shoot there. Okay, there's no pass there. There's none. And I guarantee you that if he would have tried to pass it, everybody would have railed him for passing it. Okay, Cassie can't catch a break with some of these people. And the other thing is, is let me make sure you guys all understand what Frank Cassie does. Frank Cassie is a box to box engine room guy. Okay, he has not got any. He does not have a lot of creativity to him. Okay, he works his ass off for 90 minutes. He has played 90 minutes of just about every game. Um. He has played he has played enough 90-minute games over the last two years that there are guys who have played for 10 years that would be very, very envious of. Okay, I think his performances have been very good. I thought he was very good in this game, too. Um, he has to shoot there. I'm sorry that he doesn't have the shooting ability of 
you know, from distance of say a Tony Kroos for Real Madrid or, you know, what are, you, what are people looking for with this guy? And then, you know, he, he, on the other end, he's sacrificing his body. He's getting his body in front of a calorie shot to, you know, to save, to save what probably would have been a certain goal. A guy had a hundred percent chance to score. He gets his body in front. He deflects it out. It goes out for a corner. You know what Milan Twitter would have done? They would have got angry for him for letting Cali to get a corner. There's two players on the squad who deserve no criticism at all at any point this season, especially starting you know, going going forward, and that's Timeo Bakayoko and Frank Kessie. Um, the work that they've done on this, this season uh, has been out of this world, and like you said, they're engine room guys. They're making great plays defensively. There's no, these guys should never be criticized, and yet these two are always being criticized lately, and I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's just typical Milan Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I challenge anybody on Milan Twitter that listens to this podcast. You go and you play a ninety-minute match, and you go and cover nine and ten, nine to ten miles of ground, and try and score goals, or try and stop the other team from scoring goals. And tell me how, tell me how you do. I, okay, I'm off my soapbox, Richard. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you can put it away now because uh, that was the last of the games from this weekend. And let's look at the table then. Um, the title race is over, as we said. 63 points for Juve, Napoli, 52. I, you know, and, and you, me, and Rocco were talking about this last week. I, I think there's two Champions League spots open here. I don't trust Inter. I, I know that, you know, they're five ahead of fifth place. But with 15 games remaining, that's not safe, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm, you know, I'm going back on that. I know I asked Rocco about it. Rocco thinks Inter's safe until they lose another game and people gain ground. And and I respect his opinion about that, but I think that five points with fifteen games to go, you you don't have anything sewn up yet. No, no, and it, and I think the the reason you can say kind of that they're safe is because there's un un we're not sure what's going to happen with the teams below Milan, Atalanta, Roma, Lazio, even Torino. If you want to throw them in there, they're they're not they don't play consistent enough. Well, Atalanta does, but they don't play consistent enough that you're like, okay, well, they're definitely going to be in. They have the misses in, in in them as well, and so Inter are equal to them. So you know, until Inter really starts blowing games, which they can, they've done it all through January, most of February so far. Um, it's a possibility. So I can see where you're coming from. So yeah, I'm. I mean, I too in the camp that I want to see them lose one more game, but it's four points and it's really nothing and. It, I'm curious what happens in this uh, big game this weekend, Milan against uh, at Atalanta, because if there's a winner in that game, and they're going to keep putting pressure on Inter, and Inter do not cannot afford to lose any more games, or they're going to be uh, right in the thick of that, that that Champions League race that you're talking about with uh, the two Champions League spots available. Yeah, I mean some very interesting games. You've got Inter hosting Sampdoria next week. You got Milan yeah. traveling to Atalanta, so um, you know certainly some some unique games coming up in next week's slate when you, you know, when you take a look at it, um, Roma have to deal with a rejuvenated Bologna under, uh, Sinisa Mihailovic. When you take a look at Lazio, uh, they traveled to Genoa who are starting to be a little more competitive under Cesare Prandelli, um, are actually maybe ahead of schedule in terms of figuring out life without Piantec. Um, you know, so, Everyone's got their challenges here uh, in 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 these uh, in these games coming up, so it's going to be a very interesting week next week. One hundred percent, and I can't wait for that because it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be some some uh, big games, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know who to call those games. Are like fifty fifty. You can't really tell who you're going to call. For sure, for sure. And let's look at the bottom of the table. Bologna now in seventeenth on goal difference uh, over Empoli. 
uh, both on 18 points. And Frosinone's there on 16 all of a sudden. Um, I mean, if they can, <laughs> you know, Udinese, and, and I'll even venture to say as, 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 you know, Cagliari has some deep, decent pieces on this team, but they're not out of the weeds yet in Spall, uh, I think are all in some trouble here. This this uh, this relegation fight's going to be very interesting. I mean, Kievo's down already, in my opinion, but, you know, Frozen only getting three points where they would have never thought they would have found it. Um, and then, uh, you know, Ampoli, Bologna, Udinese, and, and Cagliari and Spall. I mean, you got 14th to 19th is separated by six points. This is This is getting pretty snug. Yeah, and this is what we've, it seems like over the last uh, handful of seasons, this is what we've grown accustomed to is that there's always a race at the bottom of the table, and uh, this year is not without. I mean, yeah, Kievo is bottom, of, and they're they're gone, basically, for the most part. But, you know, Frosinone, they're doing uh, the unthinkable at the moment. Empoli are coming back down to earth. Bologna with uh, the hiring of Mihailovic is certainly a boost to them, as we had mentioned, and um, as you said, I, I fully agree with you that Spal, Cagliari, and Udinese, they're not out of this yet. They're going to have to keep digging in hard, and they all have quality, but that that doesn't mean anything. He's got to perform, right? We thought Gabo has some quality players, and well, they don't. They really don't, but... Um, they don't have any quality players. Yeah, I mean, George, George, like I said, Jordovich has is, is got a lot of Serie A experience and is pretty good. Stepinski, I think, is is another promising, you know, I think is a promising talent and is a promising talented striker. And if he can get in the right environment, you know, can be a lot better than he is right now. Um, you know, like I said, Bonnie is probably the only other one that I probably like out of that group. And that's about it. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting relegation fight overall. I mean, we've got some, you know, as we have had the last couple seasons here and said, uh, interesting, uh, interesting storylines at the top and at the bottom. So, uh, what was an interesting storyline to you? Tell us at Serie A. Sit down on Twitter or Instagram. I think before we go, uh, we should hash out this top five here, Richard. I'm going to say it's this. I'm going to go with the Alexander Kolarov counterattack in at number five um, that was played in by Dzeko. Uh Number four, I'm going to have Josip Ilicic from Duvan Zapata. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Sportiello's performance for Frosinone. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Alvin Lafont's performance for Fiorentina. And uh, number one, Lucas Paqueta's goal. Yeah, I can't fight you with that. I'll give honorable mention to Larturo Martinez when his goal, and you can probably throw in a couple of the goalie saves that you saw throughout this weekend. But no, I, I, I'm, a, I'm in full agreement with that top five. Yeah, so once again, we're going to be plays of the week at top five. What was your top five? At City, I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's finish this up with a quick roundup of Europe. All right, so uh, the European competitions are front and center once again, Richard. And uh, on Tuesday at the Olimpico, Roma will take on Porto. The last time these two teams hooked up, it was not pretty for Roma. Um, under Spalletti's watch a couple years ago, uh, getting massacred uh, in the playoff rounds uh, ahead of the league stage back when they had those play-in rounds. Um, so uh, now we have uh, Roma at the Olimpico. Maybe getting a little bit in the ascendancy here. We talked about that good performance against Milan in the draw. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, beating Kievo 3-0, even though it was a little adventurous. Uh, but now a Porto team that boasts a lot of players that Porto will soon make a lot of money off of, as they seem to do every year. Um, you've got... I mean, and you can start up front with Musa Morega, who I think scored in every goal in the group stage last season or in the fall. Yes, he did. Uh, 
Yep, he scored a goal in every game in the group stage, at least one goal. And if it's not him, it's Abubakar up front. You've got Alex Tellis uh, on the left hand uh, at left back. Um, very solid in the midfield, very solid on the flanks. Uh, and, a, and a defender here, uh, a Brazilian defender, 21-year-old Eder Militao, uh, who is going also going to get ready to make a lot of money here uh, down the road. Um, they've got the experience in goal with Iker Casillas, although I think they have a young goalkeeper that they like a lot too. Uh, so we don't know. Um, who may get the start for that? But uh, this is not a done deal for Roma. They're going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to work for this if they're going to make the last eight. Yeah, it certainly is not going to be easy, especially when they go to Porto to uh, to play them there. Um, it's good, you know, Di Francesco. What he showed us um, during his Champions League campaigns with Roma is that uh, he finds ways tactically to. Um, give Roma the advantage and, and give them an opportunity to win. And I think he'll do that, uh, at least at, for sure at home. Um, I, if, you know, I like Roma in this game. They're, like you said, they're in the intensity now. They're playing much, much better. They obviously are playing for Di Francesco at the moment and themselves. And so I think he'll have them ready. And I, and I see Roma winning this the first leg at least. Um, but going, you know, going to Porto, it's going to be a different challenge. You know, Porto is one of the toughest plays to play set, to play at. Uh, the Dergao was a, certainly a, a hard stadium to go to. And so I think, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting tie. I mean, Porto are no slouches themselves. While they'll, if you rank teams who are the easiest to play, I guess, in, in this stage of the, of the Champions League, Porto are probably one of the easier ones that people would say, but, uh, it's never easy with Porto. We, 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 we've seen it in the past. They got, they got pedigree in, in these tournaments. So, um, Roma's going to have a, a tough hill to climb, but uh, I think it's going to be up to task, and I, I think EDF is going to have a Roma ready. The marquee game uh, on, on when they play on Tuesday, Manchester United hosting PSG, uh, also shares this date uh, with Roma Porto. But if you are a neutral and if you don't have a dog in that Man United or PSG hunt, I, I urge you, watch this Roma Porto game. This is going to be a goal fest. Um Roma have a lot of attacking power, can score through Jekyll, can score through El Shadawi, who's in some form now. You know, Zaniolo didn't have a particularly good game against Chievo, uh, but the threat is there with him as well. Um, you know, so Roma have a few ways to beat you, but Porto also have a few ways to beat you. I see goals in this game, Richard. I'm going to say Roma win this first leg 3-2. Ooh, 3-2. That is, that is a lot of goals. Um, I am going to say, well, I see goals. I don't know if I see that many goals. I'm going to go 2-1 Roma. Okay, so uh, so we think that there will be a score win or at least Porto is going to get an away goal or two heading back to the Dragao. Uh, so uh, let's look at the uh, Europa League games. There's three of them. Uh, you know, the Olimpico uh, will do a little cleanup uh, after the Roma game on Tuesday and be ready on Thursday for Lazio uh, to host Sevilla, who we said earlier we think Sevilla are joint favorites with Napoli. Um, we, we, we are putting... We are moving uh, Chelsea and Arsenal a little bit further back from this group. Um, you know, Lazio, you know, they had, they had to start the second half of the season with games uh, with Napoli and with Juve. Um, they have some narrow 1-0 wins here against Frosinone and against Empoli. Um, I'm not – here's the problem I have with Lazio, Richard. I don't know how good they are defensively. I think they put in a brave performance against Juventus and got undone by a late penalty. Um you know, but I don't know because I don't think Frosinone and Empoli really pushed them enough. So 
now Sevilla comes calling, and I'm not convinced. You know, I, I don't think Lazio is all of a sudden a defensive juggernaut. Um, you know, because of what they've had here in the last couple of games, and a, you know, a couple of clean sheets, and then obviously the Copa against Inter, where they kept them scoreless for 120 minutes, but. Inter have just had a hard time scoring. So none of this screams to me that Lazio all of a sudden can keep people out. And when Sevilla can throw Andre Silva at you, they can throw Yusuf Ben Yedder at you, they can throw Ever Benega through the midfield. Uh, Quincy Promise might have a role in this game. Um, you know, when they can throw the players that they can at you, you got Jesus Navas working on one side. I think Alex Vidal's in this team. Uh, Escudero. I mean, there's there's some names in this team. This is a strong Sevilla side uh, that's coming at Lazio, and there's a reason why they're the favorites. And um, I'm not very excited about Lazio's prospects in this round of 32 tie. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, this is going to be Sevilla winning at the Olimpico 2-1. That's uh, not a bad shot because, I mean, Sevilla, they're good in these tournaments. They're really good in these tournaments. Well, they went two, three in a row uh, not too long ago. And yeah. they always do well in these types of tournaments no matter what. Uh, Monchi created a beast when he was over there. Um, Sevilla is not to be taken lightly, uh, not just by Serie A fans, but by anybody. Um, if you ask me, they're one of the top two favorites uh, in the Europa League. So, um they're going to be a handful for Lazio. And if Lazio can all of a sudden find ways to start scoring, scoring again like they did, you know they can score a bunch as, or at least last year they could. Uh, so, I mean, Linkovic Savage, Luis Alberto, Caicedo, Immobile, if they can find ways to get in, the, get in there and make it a goal fest, they have a chance. Um, but I'm not liking it at all. I mean, I'm going to say Sevilla uh, 2-1. Okay, so we're in agreement on that. Yeah. On that result on Thursday, and we're you know it, we don't hate Lazio. We just we don't think they're there. You know, like they've been in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, and I think that's going to be evident from this, uh, you know, from this tie over the course of two games. Um, and I mean, I mean, and if they might narrowly get something at the Olympico, but I think when they go back to uh, to to when they go back to Sevilla, I think they're going to get wiped out. Um, but I think some of that's going to happen here uh, this Thursday. Uh, Inter travel to Austria to take on Rapid Vien. Um, you know, this is a, 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 they qualified, obviously, to reach the last 32 here. Uh, the Austrian side I'm referring to, um, you know, a, a playmaking midfielder by the name of Thomas Morg, uh, Pavlovich up front. These are guys that, you know, they're, they're young, upstart-type players. Um, but if Inter are on their day, there's really nobody here that should scare them. No, it shouldn't. I mean, I heard I heard uh, Nima talking on the Serie A show that you know, hey, the way Inter's playing this day, these days, uh, I I am scared of Rapid Vienna, but um, it's not a team they should lose to, right? Uh, you never know with Inter because they're in their their uh, their turn of the year January mode where they just lose everybody. But maybe they had a pretty good win this last weekend, and so maybe they've gotten out of it. Uh, maybe Parasic can get back on form like we've been talking about. This is not a team that they should be scared of. They should. This is a team that should easily win against them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, say that the guys, the talent, should be able to eke this one out. And you know, I think Inter will win the first, definitely win the first leg. Yeah, I mean, I think they're gonna do something like in the neighborhood of one or two nil. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, I don't think exactly. they're gonna go run riot. No. I think they're just they're gonna man. It's they're gonna manage their way through it for ninety minutes. They're gonna get a result, and they're gonna, you know, it's gonna be ninety minutes of just just maintenance uh, once they can get the goal or two. And, uh, you know, I think that they'll give themselves a nice advantage heading back to the San Siro when they play him in the second leg. So, yeah, not much to say here. I I mean, 
Rapid Vien has had a nice run, but I think in, uh, Inter's a bridge too far for them. Um, FC Zurich hosting Napoli. Um, the game's going to be in Zurich in Switzerland. I mean, uh, AC Milan are haunted by FC Zurich. AC Milan supporters, at least, are haunted by FC Zurich. They This was years ago in the Champions League, Milan losing at home. Um, gosh, that was, what, 10 years ago? Um, mm, yeah. That was under Leonardo. Uh, yeah, that was under Leonardo. Uh, back when Berlusconi was forcing Leonardo to play with a trick Reist and two strikers. <laughs> and uh, and lost to FC Zurich 1-0. And uh, finally, after a while, uh, Leonardo said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm playing Ronaldo High on the left where he belongs, and I'm playing a 4-3-3 or maybe even a 4-2-4. And that's when Milan started scoring like three, four goals a game, it seemed, with Borriello having one of his best seasons ever because uh, he had he had service from guys like Seedorf and Ronaldinho and players like that. But anyway... Um, this FC Zurich is not anywhere near as good as that team from 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, like I said, if, if Napoli cares, they can get this wrapped up in the first leg. Yeah, yeah. Napoli, I, yeah, I said Sevilla are one of the favorites in this. I think Napoli are also one of the favorites. And uh, FC Zurich shouldn't be a team that's going to really challenge uh, Napoli. Uh, they may make it closer than it needs to be in uh, when they're on the on the road, but... Um, Napoli should should win comfortably, I think, at, uh, uh, in the first leg. But we'll see. Um, the, we'll we'll really know their intentions of this uh, Europa League when this first leg gets played. Because uh, if they come out there and they win three nothing, you're like, okay, they're serious about this. Um, if they really want to win this title. If not, you know, they come back and they get some kind of lackluster draw. Then you're like, eh, I don't know about them. Like we have been in the past. But it's Ancelotti and, and Ancelotti we trust, right? Yep, yep, indeed. And I think that. Uh you know, even if he rotates this team a little bit, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Napoli are going to win this. Uh, I, I think they win three 0 It'll be, you know, even they they will they'll win three 0 and look like a team that wins three 0 You get what I'm saying? They're not going to yeah. go out and look like a team that should win eight or nine nil. They'll 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 get the three, you know. And again, it'll be maintenance like Inter at uh, at, at Rapid Wien, and they'll and they'll move on. So so we like the chances for what you get a score on uh, Zurich Napoli. Um, I'm gonna go three 0 Okay, okay, so we're in agreement on that. Um, okay, so that's our thoughts. We we don't like Lazio's chances against Sevilla. We lo- obviously uh, love Inter and Napoli's chances against some, uh, you know, some some lesser competition here in Rapid Wien and in FC Zurich, respectively. Um, and then in Roma and Porto, we think there's going to be some goals in that. So, uh, your thoughts? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram, uh, with the uh, European games on in front of the Serie A teams. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit-down. Uh, Richard, anything you want to plug? Um, I, I No, not, right now, nothing going on at the moment. Uh, just staying really busy with uh, work and, and podcasting. So, yeah, uh, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Excellent. And you can find me at FTC underscore uh, 21. Uh, on Twitter, um, Serie A sit down at Serie A sit down on Twitter, also on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to our channel on iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud. We have a channel there. Subscribe. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Uh, so a, a lot of different outlets. So there's no excuse for uh, for your paisans. They should be listening to us. Uh, so uh, we thank you for taking the time to listen to us as we went through Match Week 23 as we previewed the uh, European games this week. Um, for Richard, I'm Frank. Uh, this has been the Serie A sit-down on World Football Index. And as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>